Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the first John, the letters of John, not the Gospel of John, but the letters of John. There's first, second, third John, so this would be first John, and we'll look there in chapter 2. Praise the Lord. Let me remind you about Friday night. We invite all uh, that will to come. We're going to sing some Christmas songs and read the Christmas story and be blessed and gather just to honor Jesus and his birth. Thank God that we have such a glorious Savior. Amen. Praise God. Let me read it here in my King James. Uh, verse 12, 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers because you have known, known him that is from the beginning. And I write unto you young men because you have, you have overcome the wicked one. Everybody say overcome the wicked one. Since I write unto you little children because you have known the father. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. Uh, I, have, I have written unto you young men. Because you are strong in the word, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now notice this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is of the world, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. Everybody say, passeth away. And the lust thereof. Now notice this. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Wow. How many want to abide forever? Now there's more to that word abide than just, you know, you, you get to stick around forever. There's actually the, the if you study it out in the, in, the, in the Greek, it's actually that you abide like a tool or something that can be used like a weapon. You abide forever is something that will be used in the hand of God. Which lines up with the scripture in Ephesians that talks about how God will use the church to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God and his mighty power throughout the ages of time and the expanse of the universe. I wouldn't want to miss that. Amen? I mean, that's, that's like Star Trek on steroids. <laughs> without the ship. Glory to God. Amen. Now, that which is on the earth right now and that which is coming upon the earth, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's a, it's a great struggle between good and evil. When we're in reality, uh, good and evil are symptoms of what's going on between the two forces of love and hate. Amen. That's why so much of the Word of God, especially the letters that John wrote to the church, have to do with the three dimensions of love in all of our lives, and that is knowing the love of the Father, loving the Father, the love we have for ourselves, the love we have one for another, and then the love we take to the world. Nothing. Listen, people can argue about doctrine. They can argue about uh, uh, the way a church should look, function, or operate. They can, uh, they can argue about art or religion. They can argue about all that. But th there's one irresistible force in the world, and that is the love of God. It has a, a way of melting away all of the obstacles. Some people may, may, they might can get touched by religion. Some might get, you know, wooed by a beautiful building or something. But, you know, in reality, it really takes the love of God to go to the heart of an individual, touch that heart and make that individual a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. 
That, that right there, I've always said that that is the key component to helping you value yourself. Say, well, Pastor, I've never thought very much about myself. You know, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I guess I'm okay. But, but, you know, as far as really being valuable to God, come on. You're so valuable to God that God died for you so that he could redeem you and that you could be part of his plan in the earth. And he knows that if you can just get a glimpse of his love through the word of God, you would begin to experience his love in your life. And the more you experience that love in your life, the more you want to share it with others. And there's no greater resistance against anything in, in what I would like to call a spiritual endeavor than the resistance against the adversary when it comes to the love of God, the application of it in our lives in the church, and the distribution of it out of the church. Amen? Amen? Amen. I tell you, when it's, when it's all said and done, when it's all rolled up and put up like a, uh, like a piece of cloth on a shelf, love is going to abide. Love is going to die. Thank God for faith, man. I'm a faith man from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Thank God for hope. Man, I can't, I can't hardly, the phone can't hardly ring with me without me expecting some big miracle. Somebody fixing to either, either tell me that they're being a big miracle or experiencing a big miracle. Why not? Why not live in faith and hope? But I'm telling you, love is the abiding force of God that, that, that is not just a part of his character. It, it is who he is. He is love. God is love. Amen? And, and one of the things we must realize in the day and hour in which we live, more than many things that we think we may need right now, we need protection. Does anybody agree with that? You say protection from what? Everything now. The whole thing's gone crazy. Amen. I mean, you can't hardly, you can't hardly, I mean, it's kind of like, kind of like listening to, uh, to some comedy show now when you listen to the news because, I mean, you listen to it and you go, no, oh, come on, you know, I mean, it's just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Amen. And if you don't, if you don't watch out, you're going to get overwhelmed by this stuff. But what one thing we have to realize is there is a social pressure all of this is putting on society. We live in that society. And if we're not careful, we get, inf we get infected by association. That's why coming to church and coming to prayer and things like that are so valuable and so important to you right now. It is because you're in, a, you're, in another, you're in another environment. You're in a sanctuary. We're not discussing political uh, idealism here. We're not uh, talking about how to uh, do some medical something or make a decision about this or that medically. No, we're, we're, we're talking about Jesus and, and magnifying him and glorifying him and exalting him and doing our best to uncover and reveal Christ in the word of God so that we can see him in the word and then see him in us. Only in doing that can other people see him in us. That's why, you know, it says in the last days that people would not endure sound teaching. That means you have to endure it. But, but you know, if, you, if you've been around here very long, we go through seasons of sometimes it seems like intense teaching. One service after another, and then all of a sudden you have a breakthrough and God begins to move supernaturally and spiritually. That's the pattern that God showed us at the marriage supper of the Lamb, where you take the water, the water, the water, the water, which by itself does not have a response in you that causes you to come under the influence of it. But then once you get the barrel full, amen, God touches it, and what was once water turns into wine, and you get under the influence of it. <laughs> I know in prayer back in the, back there, I, I, there's been 
here recently in the past couple of months, seems like I get so drunk praying, and I use the word drunk, I don't mean like a drunk, an alcoholic, or a drug addict. It's just this kind of this, you pray for 10, 15, 20 minutes, you pray in the spirit, you pray in the understanding, you pray the word. It's like this spiritual euphoria has a way of rising up on the inside of you, and it's even stronger than a feeling or an emotion. It's, know that it's, it's knowing that there's a connection made in the spirit realm in which you're actually talking to God, and he's speaking back into your spirit. I'm telling you, there's nothing that will edify you like communication with God. So, Pastor, it's kind of hard for me to break through. Yeah, there's labor in it. But once you labor in it and get past that point a time or two, the passion of it will overwhelm you, and you, I guarantee you'll go out of your way to pray or be in prayer meetings or get around people who are seeking God and worshiping God. I remember we were in Hong Kong years ago. A very powerful church, a soul-winning machine. And they had, a, uh, they had a prayer meeting. We had, pre- we had ministered there a certain night, and I kind of stayed over. We talked to the pastor. They had a team. And back then, this was like in 1989, 88, something like that. Now, you know, computers and things were not what they are today. But they had what they called a war room. And they had all these computers, and they, you know, they looked like computers looked in 1989 in Hong Kong, I guess, you know, maybe a little more advanced than other places. But in that, in, that, in that war room, they typed and they typed and they knew all the different little crossings from Hong Kong into China. They knew every place and they, went, and they came up with a, a readout every day. And they, this crossing, that guard's there. We can bribe him. That crossing, we don't want to go there. That guard's mean. This crossing, they always look the other way. They don't want to miss. They knew the crossings which they could use to get Bibles into China. Well, that would come out of an intercessory prayer meeting that went on for about two hours in the morning. And as tired as I was through flying and after the service that night, I thought, I'm going to go to that prayer meeting in the morning. And we went to that prayer meeting that morning. It was awesome. I guarantee you, they were praying, interceding, and it was amazing how God opened those doors and all of those people were able to go that day across that border, bring Bibles into China so people could be blessed. Man, I tell you, you get around people that pray. You want to see supernatural things happen? You want to see the miraculous in manifestation? Signs and what? Get around people that pray, believe God, and expect that. Don't get around a bunch of doubters. That, well, I believe it when I see it. Well, you'll never see nothing. How do we get off on this? I was going to preach on love. <laughs> Amen. Tried to preach on love. Amen. Getting over on the supernatural. But I tell you, it's right there, right there in our midst. God is moving. He moves in us. He moves through us. Then he moves among us. And we have to understand that in contending for that, sure, there's resistance. But I'm telling you, a breakout, a breakout in the things of God and the things of the Spirit can catch a church up in a week or a month what the enemy tried to resist for years. Amen. (laughs) Glory to God. I agree. Amen. So. Trying to tie it together. See if I can do it. Amen? So many times we think that what it is, is, you know, our presence, our vocabulary. We're a lot of times, if we talk to people in the street, like we talk to one another about the things of God, they don't have a clue what we're talking about. So the love of God as being a force, which is going to be one of the most important things in our spiritual repertoire during these last days. We'll do that, which is to what? Protect us, but also empower us to be a presentation of the Word of God in such a way where it's not a doctrine we're trying to promote or a church we're trying to promote or a pastor we're trying to promote, but we're trying to initiate an introduction between them and Jesus. 
And in order to do that, we're going to have to understand that there's a lot of people out there that understand nothing about the love of God because everything they know about love is based on an emotion, but not an action. But one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, some of those, one of the most, one of the most well-known, John 3:16, for God so what? Love the world. I like that. He loved who? The whole world. Amen. The whole world. I, I like what Teal Osborne, he used to square his shoulders, had that, that beard. He looked so diplomatic. He said, God so loved the world because the whole world was lovable. <laughs> Amen. Well, if it's lovable back then, it's, it's even more lovable now. And listen to this. This may help some of you in your personal witness. Where you're finding a lot of resistance, a lot of anger, a lot of fear, a lot of skepticism to who you are and your witness. That's really a cry for help of people who are greatly afraid of that which is coming upon the earth. And you're not going to reach them by trying to give them some doctrine about the end times. You're going to reach them by putting your arm around them and saying, let me pray for you. I can see you're pretty stressed about all that. Let me just pray with you right now and we'll believe God for the peace of God to come into your life. It's a lot more easy just to argue and, and get your political point or this. But I'm telling you, when you start doing that, then what I like what Brother Osteen used to call the divine flow of God begins to come down in you. And God begins to love people the only way he can love people on the earth. And that is through other people. You say, well, we just need to pray that God love people. Well, he will through you. Amen. Now, real quick, how's my time? Oh, my goodness. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 13. I wrote all my notes in 12 because 13 was full. Amen. Now, how would, you, how, would you, how would you complete this phrase? I'm going to live my life too. I'm going to live my life too. You could say things like, you know, righteous, I'm going to live my life to learn. I'm going to live my life to serve. I'm going to live my life to seek God. You know, out in the world, people, I'm going to live my life to work or live my life to, to hunt or fish or, or women like to live their life to shop, things like that. But now we as believers, if you believe, and I believe, and I know that we are here in the last of the last days, we're believers. Believe that. We see it in the scripture. We see it in the headlines. The sovereignty of God, the acts of God and his sovereignty are fixing to happen right in front of our eyes. They've been working for, for hundreds of years. Here, here we are right now. Right now it's happening. Amen? So if we're going to obey God, we have to live our lives to love. Now, now did you get that? We have to live our lives to love. Now, what we have to realize is that that's, there's not going to come a great big package of emotion with that. To love the Father. You know, when I was a kid, everybody here knows my, my testimony. Most people, here, most people here know my testimony. I was raised in church, raised in a powerful church, raised in a, in a, in a Holy Ghost church. People believed in signs, wonders, and miracles, and we experienced them in our family. But one of the ways the enemy began to distract me as a young person was to tell me that God doesn't love me because I don't feel it. I mean to tell you, God, I can remember the devil saying that to my mind as an as a 11, 12, 13-year-old kid. God doesn't love you because you don't feel it. God doesn't love you because you don't feel it. You can tell your grandmother loves you. You can feel her love. You can tell mama's love, you can feel her love and daddy's love and the love of the pastors when they put their arms around you and hug you and tell you that. But do you, do you really feel the love of God? No, the reason you don't feel the love of God is God doesn't love you. 
Now, as a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy, you listen to that over and over and over. You know what you come to the conclusion of? You don't have the tools of revelation to fight that out of your mind. What do you come to the conclusion of? God doesn't love you. And then we begin to have some things in our family. Our grandmother died of cancer who was very, very spiritual. Well, see, God didn't love her. Amen? Then other things would happen. And, and, and all of a sudden, my mindset began to be, well, if that's what it looks like to serve God, I don't want nothing to do with that. It looks like a bunch of pain and misery. See how, see how wicked the devil is? And what he does is he's, he's coming against that element of God that is love in which God puts people into your life, surrounds you with people if you'll allow him. He'll bring, he'll bring intercessors to pray for you when you don't even want them to pray for you. He'll bring knowledge in. He'll speak to you personally. He'll do all kinds of things trying to draw you back to his heart so that he can love you and heal you and make you whole. Because you've got to understand love fixes it all. Come on, church. It does. If you don't think that, that you're, you're in the wrong place then. Love fixes it. You get all out in the political. No, love fixes it. It fixes it all. In a marriage, love fixes it all. It all. You say, well, it's, just, it's all impossible. You name the situation and the love of God will fix it. Amen. Love is God's nature. Listen to this. I wrote this down when I was meditating on this earlier. Love is God's nature. But his love in us is learned. And now listen, as we learn, we discover his nature in us, which is love. It's like something in a baby that you know is going to develop into their language or into a skill, the ability to, to play a piano or to paint a picture. Or to be good at school and at math or whatever it was. There's something there. You don't see it on the surface when they're born, but you know it's in them. So as they learn it, what happens? They discover it, and when they discover it, it becomes who they are. It gives them identity. God's the same way with us. He shows us His love. He shows us salvation, its power, its ability. He, man, come on, church. How many times has God rescued you? How many times has God given you mercy? Bailed you out? Kept something that, that should have happened because of self-inflicted stupidity and kept you out of it? Or, 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 or at, the, at the least, it was a very minor bump and it, and it could have flipped your whole life upside down. And God loves us. He's merciful. He's kind in the midst of all that's going on. He cares deeply and affectionately about us. But he wants to, us to learn this love so that we can discover this love in us so that love can be our identity, part of our identity. Had a, had a couple come, oh, I don't know, a couple, couple of weeks ago, and I, I, I know them. Uh, uh, I'm not going to tell you the situation, but I know them because of a situation I'm involved in with them. And they'd never been in a church like this before that I know of. And they said this, these people are so loving. <laughs> Talking about you guys. That's because everywhere they went, somebody was shaking their hand, saying hello. You know, just, just expressing to them a welcome, fellowshipping. You know, you know how rare that is in the world? It's not there. And when it is in the world, it's false. It's fake. It's phony because there's no real motivation there that's truly exp expressing the love of God. Amen. Now listen, the more we learn and pursue this love, the more it grows in us so that slowly we begin to realize how much God loves us 
which empowers us to value and love ourselves, then share that love with others. Now listen, you can't hate and love at the same time. And you can't substitute your hate for something you don't like. Well, I don't hate it. I just don't like it. There ain't no such thing. There's no such thing. When you begin to study the Word of God, the New Covenant, which is written to us, it's our family letter, our family declaration, you'll see that love is not an option. And the enemy's always trying to drag God's people into legalism. Amen. Which goes totally against the grain of that which God wants to do in us as we love one another. And don't set laws for ourselves and laws for other people. You say, what are laws? There are boundaries that you may think you need to set to protect you, but that God may not like because he wants to use you. I mean, when I first began to travel and begin to minister, I, I was intimidated by flying these long flights overseas and stuff like that. You know, God, God was more interested in creating his character in me than his comfort. So there were times where I got on airplanes where my heart was pounding. I was thinking, God, do you really love me? Are you trying to prove something? What are you trying to do here? Amen. And I figured out later, no, I'm, I'm trying to get you to see yourself the way I see you. I'm trying to get you to see yourself in your identity and who you are in Christ and the gifts that I've put in you. And I want you to see them working and operating and blessing other people because if I can get you to see that, you'll value yourself and then you'll work with me to keep yourself alive. And if you're working to keep yourself alive, you're going to work to keep others around you alive because together you're life. Real quick, i got three minutes. Go to... Chapter 13, verse 4. Let's read it in the Amplified. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to come back and read it in the, in the Passion Bible real quick. Listen to it in the Amplified. Let's start with verse, uh, let's start with verse 4. That's right. It says, love endures long. Everybody say long. And is patient and kind. Everybody say patient and kind. It envieth not. Excuse me. Love never, love never envies, nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful, vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. I'm reading in the Amplified. It's not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude or unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly. God, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights nor its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy, fretful, resentful. It takes no account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. You've got to understand, church, we look at that, and what we try to do is we try to do that as we, and you can go through and put a point by every phrase that was made and say, okay, we need to do that, 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 and we never can do it. You ever tried to do it and couldn't do it? The reason is because this is a declaration a documentation of how God sees you. This is how he loves you. 
Did you know God doesn't believe any evil reports people say about you? He's not a God. He said, everybody in town is talking about me. Well, if it's not the truth, the one per true person who it really makes difference, they don't believe a word of it. Some of y'all need to hear that. Amen. He's never jealous. He doesn't boil over with envy. You know, we saw those ingredients or elements of him in the old covenant where God would get mad. And you'd think, I'm glad I'm not there. You get 30 or 40,000 of them dead at one time. That's pretty ugly. Amen. But they were living under the judgment. We are living under the grace. I said they were living under the judgment. They never really experienced the love of God the way we have. They've not. It was a far off. It is something they all died in faith believing they would receive. And now we're walking in it in the dispensation in which it was designed to work to demonstrate it against the most powerful wave of evil the earth has ever seen. God says, I've got the answer. Revival, harvest, move of God. Men and women praying, coming together, standing in faith. Amen? And let me just say this. The worse it gets out there, you say, you watch, the more people will come. You say, well, because they're afraid. No, no, they're waking up and realizing, you know, this is getting real, 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 real around here. Amen? I mean, it's getting kind of crazy. I mean, it's getting kind of, and I'm, I guarantee you there are some motivations built into the day and hour in which we live that will help you serve God. And you know why those are there? Because God loves you. And he don't want you going into perdition. And he don't want you standing up, look, standing here, looking up at the soles of people's feet. Amen. Look up there and say, man, Brian, where's the size nine? I'm in trouble. <laughs> Amen. He loves you. He cares about you. So he's going to go to the maximum effort to do what? To protect you, to bless you, to make sure you have that joy of your salvation bubbling up on the inside. He, listen, he can't guarantee you that happiness is going to put a smile on your face every day. But what he will do is make sure if you're tapped into your salvation that is in your spirit, that with joy you'll pull the strength of it out of that salvation that you need to get through whatever you're going through and get on to the next blessing that God has in your life. Because he loves you. I said because he loves you. Now, real quick, I'll shut this one. Amen. Let me read it. Let me read it. I love it in the, in the, love it in the Passion Bible. Let me find it here. Verse 4, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Can you hear the nature of God in that? God's love is what? It's large. For God so loved the world. Amen? Hallelujah. Man, that's better not. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in in shame and disrespect. Wow. Nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated. 
Maybe we ought to have an irritation <laughs> altar call. <laughs> Amen? That might help some of you just kind of just... I like that. Amen? Glory to God. Not easily irritated. Are quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty. Finds no delight in what is wrong. I like this. Love is a safe place of shelter. For it never stops believing the best of others. Love never takes failure as a defeat. For it never gives up. Wow. The nature of God has been given to us through the new birth. The nature of man is the nature of hate. Jesus equated hate to murder. Man's been killing himself since two brothers in creation. Amen? One murdered the other over a religious question. Isn't that incre incredible? Starts out like that. Stayed like that. Now here comes the Prince of Peace. And the thing is, a lot of people thought Jesus came to bring peace among men. No, that peace is between God and man where there wasn't peace. That wholeness was restored in Christ. We have, we have literally a millennium of peace coming. But in the meantime, we're going to fight the fight of faith, live it from glory to glory, and see the goodness and blessing of God, not only in our lives, but as much as we can get to share with everybody else. Amen? Lift your hands up. Father, right now, let every person recognize and realize how so valuable they are to you. Lord, you said in your word that you've engraved us in the palm of your hand. Father, we know what religion does. How religion builds such a hard shell. Causes men and women to have to conform to what the world system says about your goodness and your glory. But thank you, Father, for the liberty of your word and spirit that we enjoy. Father, we thank you here at Island Church all of the goodness that you've deposited in your word is what we long and desire for. For your presence, your power, your anointing, and your grace, your abundant mercy in the midst of all the many mistakes that we can make as we live out these last days. We declare your protection, your safety. We declare your goodness, your righteousness. Thank you for Psalms 91. Lord, over our entire congregation, many are traveling. Many will travel in the next few days. As we bring this year to an end, celebrate the birth of your Savior. Thank you for an expectancy in us of a coming year of great harvest and blessing. A year of double. A year of evangelism. A year, Lord, in which not only the fire at home burns brighter, but the fire we take to other places burns brighter than ever. Thank you for it, Father. We worship you. We glorify you tonight. Thank you, Father, for your witness in us. So many fearful, so many in the valley of indecision. Let your love live through us big. Everywhere we go, let us be sensitive and aware of that gentle nudge of the Spirit in which we're able to connect with that divine flow and share your love with men and women. Thank you for it, Father. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love one toward, toward another. Thank you for our church. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for our families and our church family. Thank you for giving one to another. 
Thank you for giving unto you. We love you, Lord. We glorify your name. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.